It's your boy Kilo Loco and welcome to the Kilo Loco show where I focus on topics that will essentially get you hired. Now, today I want to talk about getting hired and how it requires that you take sacrifice. There's just sacrifices that are involved when you're looking to get another job. Now, I want to talk about this from two different perspectives. I want to talk about this from the perspective of just breaking into the entire field of engineering as like essentially breaking in as a software engineer. And I also want to talk about this from the perspective of already being in the field and just making a switch to another job. So. Without further ado, let's get started with the first the first one that I had stated, essentially breaking into the field of being a software engineer, a iOS dev, a web dev, front end, back end, whatever you want to do, right? So I think that there's this perception that goes around that you have to work a million hours just to get hired as an engineer. And I think that a lot of people, uh, I think that what you'll actually see on social media a lot of the time is that there are people that are posting that they're working super late or that, you know, they're just like having to go to boot camps or they're going to school or things like that. And I want to say that there is definitely a lot of that involved when you're looking to make a career switch, right? If you're looking to become a software engineer, it's not easy. Um, it's, it's going to be a different level of difficulty for everybody. It's just always going to be different. I personally feel that I understood, uh, you know, programming a lot more than, the average person would. I was exposed to computers and being on a computer, playing computer games early on in my life. I've always known how to do a good amount of stuff on a computer. So I was I already had that exposure. On top of that, I I think I did technically write my first website like way back when I was like 10 or something like that. And it was literally just HTML, CSS. And I and I think it was even just a local website. Like I wasn't even actually getting it on the web. I was just able to put some text um, on the web page. I was able to make the background. No, I don't even think I was able to make the background a different color. I think I was able to put some text, um, add a picture. And that was pretty much it. And it was mostly just HTML. It might not, might not have even been CSS. But yeah, um, so I had some exposure from a very young age and that was like the, it was like a one-off occurrence. Like my dad, I think my dad helped me do it. And, um, yeah, like from there, the next time that I was even exposed. So that was like when I was 10. So that was like around 2001. Um, 
The next time I would be exposed to any type of coding was during the age of MySpace. So that was like, what, 2000, I don't know, 2008, 2000, yeah, 2008 or so, 2007. And I was able to change the HTML by, and, and like essentially make my website, my, my MySpace page look how I wanted. Now I wasn't doing all this from scratch. I would go copy somebody else's page. I would look at the HTML and I would make simple little tweaks and figure out how to do it. And that was pretty much it. Um, nothing too fancy. Like I'm not, I, I wasn't really exposed to programming at a young age and I wouldn't even consider HTML or CSS, um, programming languages in no way, shape or form. But I just want to express that I had some exposure from a young age to computers and, and kind of programming types topics. Right. So it was a little bit easier for me, but no, no matter what, even though it was easier for me, there were a lot of late nights coding. So anybody that's not familiar with my, with my story of how I've come to become a software engineer, I actually was working at a restaurant before I became a software engineer. Now I've actually worked at a lot of different industries, but, um, I was at the restaurant off and on. And it was the one thing that I could really just say, like, that's pretty much what I was doing. So I started working at a restaurant when I was like 19 and um, I worked there for like six years until I was like 25 or 26 or something like that. And um, yeah, in between those in between those years, for those six years, I was I was going to school full time. At one point, um, I got an associates in psychology, so no technical background there. Um, I dropped out of college when I realized that it kind of was just a bunch of handholding and anybody could do it. And I didn't want to go down the path of psychology anymore. Dropped out, um, did real estate for a year. I did car sales for um, a little bit less than a year. Uh, telemarketing. I did a lot of stuff is what I'm saying. Right. And then I eventually decided, okay, let me try out programming, like, um, making websites for a hundred dollars a pop and I could be rich. Right. Just er anybody would take a, a website at a hundred dollars if it looks good. Right. So I tried to get into it. And what I was doing was I was working at the restaurant full time, even though I wasn't supposed to, um, because I was only supposed to be working part-time, but you pick up shifts at a restaurant cause nobody ever wants to work. And, um, what I was doing was I was, you know, working, I'd pick up shifts, I'd do doubles. So I'd work anywhere from maybe just a basic four hour shift. Like that was very rare to working. I don't know, like a 12 hour shift. So like on a, on a Friday or Saturday, you get there early, um, and then you leave late. So yeah. Anyways, during that time, since restaurants aren't always, always busy, uh, there would be some downtime and I would have my laptop with me and I'd be learning stuff. I'd be coding stuff. I'd be doing whatever I can to get better and improve my skills to increase my understanding. Um, I would also, once I would get off of work, I'd go home 
And, you know, if my wife was sleeping at that time or if she was fine with me just doing whatever I wanted, then um, and she wasn't even my wife at the time. I don't think. Um, no. Yeah, she wasn't even my wife at the time. Uh, she she was just my girlfriend and we were living together. And uh, yeah, I would go downstairs or I'd maybe even be in the same room and I'd just be watching tutorials, trying stuff out. Uh, taking uh, online Udemy courses, things like that. And that was after hours. So I would be like working all day, go home, and then I would spend even more time kind of working, studying, uh, like programming, right? So I had a long full day, go home, and it still doesn't stop. I still don't get to relax. I would learn how to do programming stuff and I would watch tutorials. And that's pretty much the sacrifice that I think a lot of people are seeing online and, and in social media. And the reason be the reason that you see that so often is because people have responsibilities. Like the majority of people that that are the majority of adults are going to have responsibilities where they can't just stay home and do whatever they want. They have to work, right? They have, maybe they have kids, they have bills, you know, whatever. So that's the majority of people. They have responsibilities, they have financial responsibilities, and you usually have to work when you have those responsibilities. So that turns into, I work during the day and I code at night and I only get like six hours of sleep, five hours of sleep, four hours of sleep, things like that. Right. And, um, it, it is something that you kind of have to do if you're in that situation. So if you're looking to make a career hop into being a software engineer and you, and you do have responsibilities, when do you have free time? If ever, right. Like if you have kids, if you have a job, if you have a job, then you're probably the majority of people work during the day. Right. And then you go home and let's say you have free time. Well, then you have to do it during that free time. And if you if you're lucky enough to only have to work eight hours, then, you know, you wake up in the morning, you go to your your work at like nine, you get off around five or six, you go home, you're home around seven and now you're working from seven to whenever you decide to go to sleep. So that's a good amount of work. Um, if you can, if you can be home by seven and let's say you go to sleep by like 12 or something like that, then you're getting, you know, three hours or not three hours. Don't even know how to math right now. You're getting like five hours of, um, working and that's a really good amount of time. Now let's say your situation slightly more complex than that. You have kids involved, um, or there's just requirements of you when you get home, right? You have responsibilities, other responsibilities. Well, um, usually if you have other responsibilities, responsibilities, when you get home, those responsibilities don't go away until usually the responsibility is sleeping. <laughs> so that's either like a family member or, um, kids or whoever, like once you're expected to be gone from the world and offline, uh, essentially sleeping and nobody's really expecting much from you is when you're actually free. And it's that time that you're going to have to cut into in order to 
learn the things that you need to learn in order to break into the field, right? So you have to pull from somewhere. And if you don't have any free time, then you have to pull from sleep. And that's not something that's healthy or sustainable. And it's not something that I would necessarily recommend, but it's kind of the only only option that you have sometimes. And that's what I did. I pulled from sleep and I pulled from my free time as well because, um, you know, I wasn't always working. Uh, there would be days that I had off and I would take, you know, half a day, uh, maybe the full day to just learn and practice. And that's kind of what it comes down to. So if you're looking to get into the, get into a different career, such as software engineering and your you know, you feel like you're too busy, like you don't have any time. Well, the the honestly, the only way to really do it is to not sleep so much. And if you have an iPhone, then you can turn on the screen time option and you can see how much time you're actually dedicating to other apps such as Instagram or Twitter or YouTube, um, anything that essentially sucks you in. And gets you to stay on their app for a while. You can see and track how much time you're spending on those apps. Because a lot of the time people don't realize it. But they're actually spending a whole lot more time on their phone than they even like think they are. So you might think that you're only spending like 15 minutes on Instagram or YouTube or whatever. But it turns out that you actually spent an hour and a half that just for that day on, on those types of apps. So if you, if you have, if you enable your screen time on your iPhone, then you can easily track this. And if you're on Android, I'm sure that there's something very similar. Um, there might even be an app to figure it out, but yeah, uh, just tracking when, like what, what you're doing with your time will easily show you that you probably have more time in your day than you than you, than you realize. Um, and that time can be applied to learning programming. So if you, so if you're looking to get into the software engineering world, you you might have to make a couple of sacrifices. It might mean sacrificing social media. It might mean sacrificing your free time that you have after work or whatever, or it might mean sacrificing sleep. And this is kind of just the way that it goes because there's so much that you have to learn in order to become um, a developer. You have to learn how everything works and you know you have to start putting out projects and build up your resume and portfolio. And that's what you have to do in order to get hired. Um, so that's pretty much that. Um, the other perspective is somebody that's been in the, the engineering world and this, this will actually apply to everybody. So the next things that I want to talk about are, you know, something that's for somebody that's already in, like they already know how to do programming. And this could even be somebody that's just learned, they just learned how to do programming, but now they're actually looking to get hired. So Either you're already working as a as a developer or you are confident with your skills and now it's actually time to get a job, right? So here comes more sacrifice, right? So when you're when you're looking to get a job as a developer, 
when you're going for those interviews, the things that you're going to be asked aren't necessarily things that even have anything to do with the job. And the easiest thing to talk about in this instance is algorithms and data structures. Now, I think it's a very, um, I think it's a very popular belief in our in in the software engineering world that algorithms and data structures are not really um, an accurate way to understand somebody's skill set when it comes to programming. But that doesn't really matter. Um, you're still interviewed against that topic, right? So even though you might not be using algorithms and data structures in your job, you're still going to be quizzed on them, which is a bit odd. And I think that our interviewing process in the in in this industry is slightly broken, but um, it is what it is, right? So I just want to say that even though it might not be something that really makes a whole lot of sense to you, it's still something that you have to do regardless. It doesn't matter whether you feel a certain way about how people get hired as as um, developers, programmers, or engineers, or whatever. This is the way that it is. So you're gonna have to you're gonna have to study your algorithms and data structures, and this is going to mean going to websites like leak code or HackerRank, or I'm sure that there's other ones. Um, maybe taking a course, like maybe like an online course in those in general, um, buying books. Some of the books that I bought were, um, cracking the coding interview and what other one, there was one by Ray Wenderlich that I got, um, out data structures and algorithms and Swift is another one that I got, but yeah, you're going to essentially have to study for this specific portion of your interview process, right? So this is not something that you can cram because it's so vast. Uh, what you have to do is you have to understand, you have to understand, you have to, <laughs> oh goodness, don't even know how to talk right now. You have to understand the the building blocks of data structures, right? So essentially you need to learn your data structures, which are like, you know, your dictionaries, your linked lists and things like that. So you need to learn the, the, the basic blocks of data structures, right? And what data structures are from there. Once you learn the basic blocks, which is a task in itself, it's tough. You know, you're going to learn how to create these data structures, but then you have to learn when it's best to use one over the other and how to apply them to problems. And those are algorithms. Um, algorithms is just a fancy way of saying writing code that will do something. And what you're what you're focused on doing is doing that thing in the most efficient way possible and making sure that you understand um, what's most important when you're solving the problem. Is it the space complexity? Is it the time complexity? Why are you using this specific data structure over this other data structure, which could do the job 
um, could, which could also solve the problem. And how is it more beneficial to do it this way and things like that. So what I would recommend is that regardless of whatever state you're in, um, even if you're not looking for a job, that you study your data structures and algorithms every single day. Now, I actually haven't been doing this myself uh, lately just because I have been like still working through the entire fact that I'm uh, new at the job and there's other stuff that I've been kind of studying in the spare time that I do have and um, that essentially that will make me more efficient for my job. So for example, at work we use Reactive Swift and I've never worked with Reactive Swift before now. Um, I've worked with some reactive programming, but um, just knowing when to use the specific um, primitives in Reactive Swift is still something that I'm learning and understanding how everything works is um, still a learning process. So what I'm actually planning on doing since I'm telling you to do this is I'm going to make a dedication, you know, I'm, I'm going to dedicate a little bit of time every single day to practice my data structures and algorithms, whether that means reading something from a book or going on something like leak code or any of that. So I'm going to start focusing on that. And what I'll actually do to prove that I'm practicing my data structures and algorithms and I'm not just, you know, telling you to do something that I wouldn't even do is I'll actually tweet about it. I'll tweet one little thing that says something about data structures or algorithms, some type of little today I learned, and I'll, I'll put that out there for y'all so that you can, you know, see what I'm doing or what I'm learning. And um, yeah, you know, we can be in the same boat. But essentially what I'm trying to say is you need to make sure that you're practicing that because it's it's not something that's going to be easy to cram unless you already know those topics. So if you already like if you're already in the industry and you've already studied your data structures and algorithms, all I would say is brush up on them because it's a skill that you most likely were not using at your job and you probably forgot how everything works and you're probably not in the mindset to, to be doing algorithms uh, right now. Um, you might have just been working on normal stuff that we do and algorithms are very different than normal stuff that we do. So that's what I would recommend. Also, um, brushing up on your port, brushing up your, your resume and making sure that your portfolio are up to date. So anything that you've been working on, um, make sure that that's in your resume and your portfolio, especially on your portfolio. You want to have something that's really nice that an employer can go look at if they choose and, um, you know, have, have it very brief descriptions because nobody's reading that, you know, nobody's looking to read. If you have images and visuals like video, then that's really going to help you out. But yeah, uh, brush up on your, brush up your resume, brush up your, your portfolio, make sure that everything's up to date, make sure that you're tracking everything that you can that's going to make you look more impressive than the next person that's applying for that position. And um, lastly, what I want to say is practice your behavioral questions. Now, um, I'll probably put a list together um, sometime in the future, and I'll probably talk about some of the behavioral questions that um, I was asked uh, or that are just common in the industry. 
And, you know, we can discuss some of those, um, what, what some of those answers should look like and what they're at, what the interviewer is actually, actually looking to accomplish by asking these questions. So, um, you know, just do a search, look for behavioral questions, because that's also something that you need to do. You know, you want to make sure that you come off as a normal human being and not some psychopath that's doing, you know, that's answering in really weird ways. Um, because every interview counts, especially since you're going to be having interviews with like five or six people, you got to be ready, right? You have to be ready to talk about anything at any given point, because they're going to be asking, you're, you're going to have a whole lot of questions coming your way, but yeah. All right. So, um, going back to the original topic of sacrifice, you're going to you're going to have to, you're going to have to sacrifice some time. That's all. That's all it comes down to. You're going to have to sacrifice time, either learning to program, or you're going to have to sacrifice time, um, freshening, freshening up on your data structures and algorithms. And that's something that just doesn't seem to be avoidable, um, for this type of career right now. Um, also make sure that your portfolio and resume are looking nice and spotless. And also, Make sure that you know how to communicate with another human being. Make sure you know what to expect during behavioral interviews because nobody wants to hire a psychopath. So that's going to be it for today, y'all. Thank you for hearing me out and just listening to some of these tips that I think that will be beneficial to you. Uh, If you have any questions or if you want to just reach out to me, the best way would be to just reach out to me on Twitter, that would be at Kilo, that's K-I-L-O underscore Loco, L-O-C-O, so at Kilo underscore Loco, and you can hit me up, ask me any questions, and that would be great. Also, make sure that you leave um, a review on the podcast, let me know how I'm doing, hopefully I'm doing great, hopefully I could give you, get, get five stars from you, if I can't get five stars from you, then once again, reach out to me, let let me know how I can improve the podcast so that I can earn those five stars. I want to earn them. I don't want to just get them. I want to earn them. All right, y'all. That's going to be it for today. Thank you so much for joining the Kilo Loco Show. Go out there and keep coding passionately. <laughs>